Hi everyone, welcome to the Sobriety Unleashed podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Ellen. And today we are talking about if alcohol holds you back from finding your true self. Uh, Simon, what is our true self? That is the big question. (laughs) Definitely when I was drinking, I, I didn't even know or even think about my true self. And I think I had so many different personas that showed up in different situations, different behaviours, places that I was so far away from knowing. And I think the the true self is, for me, finding finding that part of you that knows what you want in your life, is moving towards a place of fulfilment, knows where to set boundaries. I suppose, in a nutshell, understands yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. When you're drinking this was something that I had never ever considered and lots of people that I work with have never considered what their true self is um, I think that's the exciting thing with sobriety is it suddenly opens you up to the idea of what is my true self and for me one of the things that led me to kind of long-term sobriety was realizing that alcohol had become my whole identity that was a great fear around giving up alcohol was I wouldn't know who I was going to be and I didn't think other people would kind of accept me as who I was sober because I was just Ellen the drinker party girl um so finding my true self was quite scary but it was also I realized that I was so boring and that wasn't the person when I was a teenager I hadn't become the person that I thought I was going to be so it was time to do something and change that yeah absolutely and it for some people I think it can seem a bit scary actually you know finding out who I really am who who is the true version of me um, and many people come into you know we talked about toxic shame before many people come into this with maybe sometimes a bit of a void within themselves or a feeling of emptiness where they they sort of have a sense that in some way they're not good enough so there can be a fear of removing these masks you know the party girl mask the yeah. um the, you know those different personas i had a persona for work a persona for going out drinking with friends all these different ones that i would i didn't even know i was wearing them but no but, and I think when you're able to start removing those masks, which when you remove alcohol, you absolutely do, you sort of find yourself on an even keel showing up as that same version. Yeah, 100%. And you start showing up as somebody that is true to you. We talk about core values all the time, don't we? And this is really, if you are led by your core values in life, there is a sense of peace. And that, to me, finding my true self is somebody that I can be at peace with uh, in my own skin all the time and identifying what are my core values and how do they lead me? What's the behavior that is linked to those core values? And if I'm behaving in that way, then great. I feel at peace with myself, no matter if the situation can be really hard, life can be really hard, but if I'm being led by those core values um, and alcohol never let me do that, I don't know about you. Yeah, exactly the same. And I have quite a few passions in my life obviously I've got a passion for sobriety but I also have a passion for writing a passion for art and when I was drinking I and actually it ties in almost to you know within a matter of months of starting drinking as a teenager to stopping doing the things that I that were my passion and and alcohol became my passion and I actually think passion equals purpose and when we have a sense of purpose in our life that's what leads us towards a feeling of fulfillment a feeling of you know wanting to get out of bed in the morning thing you know something to look forward to but when alcohol is your passion 
and your purpose obviously it leads to a, a dark place yeah 100 and that is funny because I always say to people the reason I got into coaching was I kind of manifested this life that I wanted and as soon as it was connecting with you and finding out even what sobriety coaching was I knew that this was my purpose and I knew it lit a fire in me and, and that passion uh, and I was like this is it this is what I want to share with the world this is what I want to work on I want to do something have a sense of purpose that I never feel I want to retire from I want to continue doing this for life yeah that's exactly what happened for me and I think equally nothing to do with finding your true self but equally it keeps us both accountable it does 100 it's really really um I said that I knew that this was the life that I wanted but I knew if I didn't make it very kind of public and out there not necessarily to the public but even to family and friends and identify myself as a sober person as a non-drinker there was a chance that I would kind of slip back so yeah putting it out there and being accountable and being a sobriety coach absolutely keeps me accountable to people and one thing I think that can happen going back to true self is I think a lot of people quit drinking and that process of finding the true self can take a while for mm-hmm. me that you know the, the first year of being alcohol free yes it was like a honeymoon period and I was doing lots of things and keeping busy. But I hadn't really come close to starting to look inward at who I really was. And it took a bit of time. And actually, do you really want to start looking at who you're at the true self in the first weeks and months after you quit? Probably not. No, it is quite an uncomfortable place to be, isn't it? And I was exactly the same as you. It took me a good nine months to a year to just I was one of those smug sober people like yes you just need to build the life uh, you know create a life that you don't want to escape from but actually life doesn't work like that does it so suddenly being um, held to your true your core values that is I started to do that work way later 18 months two years into sobriety um, and that's something that keeps on developing over time yeah exactly it's almost like that second phase of the journey I suppose it is and it's a really important phase for I keep on coming back to it that there is the sobriety the early days of sobriety and then there's long-term sobriety which is why I always find this industry of sobriety coaching a really dangerous place um to be because it's can be unregulated can't it and there's lots of newly sober people out there well actually long-term sobriety is a completely different thing and phase two of sobriety is really exciting we see lots of people in our groups don't we that are suddenly zip lining people who are listening will know who I'm talking about zip lining or um paddle boarding doing all these things that they would have never done when they were still drinking because alcohol was our identity yeah exactly it just yeah it formed the my identity yeah as it did with you and so many other people yeah. but yeah and I suppose that yeah there's another thing that it's, it is about finding that true identity, you know, coming back to like, who, who am I really? Yeah. And I, I remember I did some therapy um, about 18 months after I quit. And the start of that finding out about my true self was, first of all, he asked me an interesting question, like, who are you? really you know it's a very open question and I sort of started saying oh well I do this for an occupation I'm this and he's like no 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 strip away all of that stuff I don't yeah. want to know about material possessions jobs who are you really you know and it took me about a week to come up with an answer uh, and in fact I still don't know if I've got it but <laughs> I was gonna say Simon who are you <laughs> 
it's a you know and i think that sort of set me on that journey of then looking at how i became the adult that i am you know what things in the past had shaped me yeah. what experiences had turned into beliefs how, how was that driving my behavior and then it sort of snowballed once i started looking at that i actually found it fascinating that yeah. certain things from my past could cause me to behave in a particular way and obviously some of those behaviors i didn't like and it was about acknowledging the darker parts of me and working on those and and honoring the good stuff yeah 100 and we have these beliefs don't we that we just don't even think to question uh, and i think there's a tipping point all of a sudden that you you wake up it's all it's like you step out into the light and and realize actually nothing fixes me i am not fixed to be this person for the rest this is just where i am this is not who i am yeah so how do i get forward and be the person that i want to be and that can be in everything it's not just sobriety is it it can be relationships and career uh, how you interact with people on a day how you interact with yourself because alcohol it does it when you're not behaving in the way that you hold true to you you wake up full of shame and regret and guilt and and that doesn't hold true that's not your true self is it so when you start behaving in a way that is authentic and you start connecting with people on an authentic level it boosts your self-esteem it makes you feel better about yourself and going out into the world yeah totally that and I think as well you develop obviously self-awareness when you quit drinking you know it just naturally comes Uh, I don't think you I don't actually think you need to do much work for it to arrive it just turns up Uh, and self-awareness obviously is like knowing how you feel in in the moment what emotions are with you but also the ability you develop the ability to self-reflect where you're able to sort of almost critique your behavior and look back and say actually I felt like that and that came from there and you know this is why what was you know and really sort of you start to ask yourself questions and assess all the time all the time questioning and this is something I always say to people it's exciting it's like it's interesting to keep on questioning why did I react like that what was the true reason was it just because so and so was late or how does that make me feel and and where does that come from and who's told me that and what what experiences have I had to to behave like that Um, and it is it's very very interesting and interestingly as well I go back to the mental health problems there are certain mental health um, issues where that part of the brain that is constantly updating the self-awareness it it goes so it we do have this ability to numerous times throughout the day keep on updating our self-awareness and changing our behaviors to make sure we're we're staying true to ourselves yeah exactly I and I constantly kind of catch or question myself now like when I was drinking and in the months that followed quitting, so, so much of my behavior was around getting the approval of other people. I would post things on Facebook, you know, and it was ego driven. I would show off a bit to get approval. I didn't really realize I was doing it. And now I'm just so conscious of that behavior that sometimes I have to say to my friends, like if something good happens or I go somewhere, I sort of say to them, I'm consciously bragging about this. <laughs> just to say that I know it's a bit of a brag and I want to do it. So I'm, doing it I'm not looking for your approval. I just want to talk about it. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a conscious brag. Because when you're um when you're feeling like you're all your authentic self, you're happy, you're you're at peace with that it, you're not looking for that external validation all the time are you no exactly so what are the ways that we can find our truth self simon 
I think one of the first things that helped me, as well as I mentioned about like looking at how you became the adult you are and, and what that sort of story of you looks like. Um, and actually, one of the things that really helped me was making a timeline of my life, all the major events that had happened, some things that to an outsider might seem fairly minor, but to me, they still seem very vivid and you know have all the hallmarks of trauma. Yeah. Um, that timeline really helped me answer that question around how I ended up the way I ended up yeah. um, and then it was uh, we've talked about it before but getting my values down on a piece of paper looking at how my values lined up with my life where I wasn't honoring my values um, which values were not being met that really helped me uh, journaling that was such a big part of, yeah. of being able to sort of just reflect on my sort of feelings and emotions and what was coming up for me sort of day to day. Um, so yeah, there, there are a couple of things that kind of got me on that path and reading lots of books around, you know, they weren't to do with quitting booze. They were about understanding the self and how to sort of do that work. What about yeah. you? Well, core values, I keep on going back to core values. They're such a huge thing and they weren't only my core values. I started looking at the people who were around me and their core values and what attracted me to certain people and what turned me off other people. Um, and when I'd removed the alcohol, it was really clear as day as to yeah, what core values I really admired in certain people. And then starting to kind of have people that inspired me or that I I thought I really want to be around them why is it that I want to be around them what is it that I really you know I like and and realizing that nobody has anything particularly special if people want to be honest they just start out by being honest it's kind of practice sometimes makes perfect if it's not something that comes naturally you can do these things just by starting to change slight tiny behaviors but yeah looking at people that I admired working out what it was about them that I really liked and starting to behave like that. Yeah. And then I think you kind of just make a commitment to yourself. Like I remember when somebody talked to me about integrity and you know, I didn't realize how often, and you know, if you're listening or watching this live on YouTube, first of all, let us know that you're here. I can see a couple of comments already. Um, and if you've got questions, ask away in the comments, but you know, it, it was, uh, I hadn't even, realized like ask yourself this question that's what I was saying sorry I got sidetracked um <laughs> ask, like how often do you say you're going to do something and then not actually do it even just minor things um and I was catching myself all the time saying to somebody oh yeah I'll uh, I'll, I'll send you that book I'll post a link to that and then I, I wasn't following through on it yeah. and they, again they only seem little minor things but once I made that commitment to myself that actually I want to be a person who has integrity I was then becoming aware of it didn't mean I got it right every time but I started catching myself and actually doing it and the consequences of turning up as some yeah someone with integrity it makes you feel so much better about yourself because there isn't that shame or that guilt linked to I haven't followed through with what I said because it's you you're letting down ultimately isn't it it's yeah. kind of yeah other people might get a bit annoyed that they didn't receive that email whatever but it's you uh, and th those feelings feeding to your self-worth as soon as you start showing up for yourself and showing up for everybody else like you said you were going to it makes you feel so much more kind of authentic exactly and then the interactions that you start having with people the relationships that you build when you start showing up as the true you 
how has that changed for you in sobriety? Yeah, that's changed dramatically because I've I found a bit like you said around the people you're drawn towards. I found myself drawn towards people who are interested in understanding themselves, people who are actually willing to talk about it, share their emotions, share their feelings, which actually with some of my male friends, they can be quite hard to find. Like I find women can can open up a, a bit easier. I know I'm sort of stereotyping a bit, but <laughs> I'll forgive um, you. No, it, it's true. Yeah. My experience. And I, I mean, that is why suicide is what the biggest killer in males right. under 40 in the UK is because women, we we tend to open up a lot easier. Men don't find it as easy, do they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I was lucky enough to um, be part of a brilliant men's group where everybody made a commitment to be completely honest, to leave their egos at the door, to to have integrity and actually in there talking about integrity if you said you were going to do something and you didn't do it the group would call you out on it there would be consequences and it was such a great place to almost practice those skills yeah yeah Um, and practice becomes permanent with it as we always say yeah exactly I mean one of the big challenges I had again it's linked to my childhood was around conflict particularly conflict with men and again I learned that skill in there to be able to say what I really felt and have a conflict with somebody not a fisticuffs fight but actually disagree yeah yeah well that's such an important skill that we are not really taught we're either taught to really kind of fight a corner especially when alcohol is involved that's uh, in fact we were at something a couple of weeks ago and my son was sat there who's nine and we were looking at a girl that was drunk and he said drunk people it's like their emotions can be just completely flicked with a switch isn't it I was like wow for a nine-year-old you're really uh, switched on seeing that and we in conflict definitely over emotional and not able to manage those emotions so conflict resolution just doesn't really exist learning to do that in a healthy space is really important Uh, and uh, there's there's a bit of a controversial topic that leads on from that which is around talking about the true self you know somebody's had too much to drink and they say something that they later go on to regret there's actually a story in the news about mel gibson's making some anti-semitic comments i don't think mel gibson's listening today so we should be (laughs) fine um when he was really drunk yeah and scientists have looked at whether when you're like you hear people say well you know you were drunk you said that you must have meant it yeah Uh, you know i'm talking about this in the context of well actually is that revealing a true part of the self a dark part of the subconscious that actually mel gibson holds some anti-semitic views and because he was drunk he he had no filter yeah Um, and scientists have studied it and there's conflicting thoughts about it some of them are very much yeah absolutely that's what happens there's there's no filter you know inhibitions are lowered stuff comes out that normally when we're sober we we just keep inside Um, and then others disagree I I I don't know no I don't know what the answer is with that but also of course if there's behaviors risky behavior that we do cheating or yeah kissing partners other people's partners like I've been there done it heard it all all those kind of things and oh but I was drunk is it an excuse definitely no like if you don't want to behave in a way that you don't hold true to yourself then don't drink there is no for me that there's that's a very clear-cut line yeah and this is that 
piece I was talking about around Mel Gibson, the, the article was about, you know, should he be held accountable or is it okay to say I was drunk? You know, it's an excuse. Yeah. And where do we draw the line with that, though? I, I just think that that line is so blurred. If somebody commits murder or rape or yeah, adultery, all those kind of things, then can we just not be held accountable because we've been drinking, which society allows us to drink? So therefore... Who is accountable for it? Exactly. I mean, you would think that somebody who is prone to violent outbursts when they've been drinking actually has a lot of anger within them. And then when they drink, inhibitions are lowered. It all comes to the surface. Yeah. Which speaks to the true self. Yeah. it's It's such an interesting topic. It really is. We haven't got many comments today. For people That's because Ashley YouTube. is in um, Hawaii. <laughs> she's our number one commenter yeah, on the podcast, is. isn't she? Right. Anyone else who's on, you're going to have to make up for it. So Linda's here. James is here, who says, well done for becoming your authentic selves. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're watching, we stream every week live on YouTube. We're, we're also, we're doing um, a meetup in September. So we if are. you're listening or watching live um, and you want to come along, just drop an email over to info at besober.co.uk and we can give you all the details. And you're hosting a retreat in Bali, aren't you? I am hosting a retreat and it is. It's a group of women who are non-drinkers or trying to not drink. There won't be alcohol involved and doing lots of things for me sobriety is really exciting just traveling alone was something that I had never done in fact I was just talking to you before we came on air in the last week alone I've been to Paris twice and I've taken my girls up and I went on my own yesterday to meet my cousin and that is something that I would never ever had the confidence to do and again if I'd gone back when I was a teenager thinking about who I would be as an adult I wanted to be someone that went off traveling by myself um, so yes, just getting on the plane and going to Bali is a huge, huge step for lots of people. And we're going to do loads of things there. It's all about stepping into your own kind of power, your own light. So it'll Love be great. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know what you mean. I think even part of it is just that first step of, of committing to say, right, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. It can be fearful. New people, all the absolutely. Rest of there was I like I live in the middle of nowhere, Simon, and we went up to see Ed Sheeran. And now I'm single. Not only am I going as a sober person, and I haven't been to a gig sober actually, despite the fact it's been three and a half years. That was a sober first for me, but also as a single mum going up there, it was it's another first. So there's loads of fear around it. Just getting an Uber for me is a huge thing, and being the sole responsible adult like there's no other adult to help me with anything um and it was great you overcome those fears and it boosts your self-confidence and just it's a feeling of yeah I can I can take yeah. on the world I, I agree I mean I've been to a few retreats um over the years and you know some of them just stick in my mind you know you really learn you have like these breakthrough moments aha moments and you make friends that are lifelong friends as well yeah absolutely and this is a you know most of the women I've already connected with in the sober community via Instagram, via your group. Um, and we can't wait to meet up. And the same for the meetup in September. Anyone who's in the UK or in Europe can get over to the UK. It would be great to meet people in, in person. It's something, oh, it's yeah. like a skill that we've forgotten because of COVID, I feel, that 
actually just getting out there and meeting people face to face it yeah we seem to have forgotten that so actually doing that would be great yeah it's going to be brilliant yeah we're holding it in hampshire which is in the south of the uk if you're in the uk i'm sure you know where it is but <laughs> we've actually got a couple of people coming from the us from canada it's awesome it will be fantastic um who else shelton said this is a very interesting topic and selena's on as well and shelton said this, this is very true sobriety brings responsibility it does you have no excuses you are showing up 100 the interesting thing with that i think is that you can stop and like we've just said you can reflect on how you have responded to things it might be that in the moment you haven't responded in a way that you wanted, but you can look in hindsight, right, what went on there and going forward, how can I change that? Um, I'm reading The Chimp Paradox at the moment. Anyone that hasn't read, read it, read it. It's fantastic. All about how we can respond in a better way um, with the rational human brain. Yeah, it's so easy for that other part that chimp brain to take over and quickly we spiral yep. into a bad place yeah and i really looking at my core values like being rational and being level-headed is something that i hold very kind of true to myself but alcohol didn't allow me to do that um it i was kind of a hot-headed person who would react really quickly and actually that's not somebody that I like to be around I find that behavior quite threatening and I don't like that energy so I certainly didn't want to portray myself as someone like that so taking a step back and every time saying did I respond in a way that I am proud of um, and if I didn't what can I do to change it next time yeah and similarly I, I think a big discovery I had about myself was I firmly believed, and I think a lot of people nod their heads when I say this. I know you've touched on it before. I, I very much thought I was a, an extroverted person when I was drinking. You mentioned party girl. You know, that was the kind, I mean, not I wasn't a party girl. But I was out partying. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I definitely sort of gave off this extroverted vibe. But as the months went by without alcohol, I just found myself being drawn to quite quiet introverted activities well and you talk you touched on like the ego in the that external validation I got a lot of that when party girl showed up oh yeah. party girl's here she's really great fun and so you go you, you well I used to seek that external validation now it's only my my opinion that really matters I if I know I, I think that's where peace comes from you know that if you're coming from a place of integrity and um with true to your core values you don't feel the need to explain yourself to anybody else they can have a different version of events but you know you're at peace with how you behave so yeah it's completely different I, I know a couple I, I know you're on Instagram and I'm on Instagram but I, I think for both of us we can safely say it doesn't rule our life but I know no. a few people who I think their self-worth becomes wrapped up in their social media and I think a very good question to ask yourself around not just social media any sort of behavior like you just described going out partying is like how much of my self-worth depends upon this you know if I don't go is that going to impact my self-worth and almost sort of again that comes back to self-awareness and self-reflection yeah is your self-worth getting wrapped up in external things yeah because in likes and comments and it is it's a strange place and I talk about it with people who spend hours and hours and hours a day on Instagram and I'm like really I spend 10 minutes a day on it it just is not important to it's important to connect with other people 
but it as you say it doesn't rule your life but social media and that's the worrying thing for kind of teenagers isn't it coming up where they find value um, and validation exactly and when I started out on Instagram and my YouTube channel I I definitely got a bit obsessed about I need to get to 10,000 subscribers followers all this sort of thing (laughs) yeah Uh, and then I kind of had a bit of an epiphany and it was like it doesn't matter I enjoy the content yeah that's it you have to stay true to you you do um and especially things where all the algorithms start changing and they want you to do this and want you to do that I said I messaged somebody the other day I will never dance on Instagram because Instagram wants me to do that it will push my stuff out it is not true to me I am not that person and I will never be kind of a slave to what they want me to do yeah exactly so so true and I find it quite sad you know, when you see people who've definitely got their self-worth wrapped up in it all and it sort of defines to them sort of defines who they are and I think to myself wow if you didn't have that following who, who would you be you know, yeah who are you really it comes yeah. back to the question and it's not a real universe it could close tomorrow like what is true to you other people that you surround yourself with what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you behave exactly we've got a question from um, Marty, how did you cope, adjust on your first sober holiday? What did you do? I take it Marty must have a holiday, but yeah, God, I'm trying to remember even what was my first sober holiday. I think I took the kids to a treehouse by myself, which was a huge, huge thing. My then husband broke his ribs about three days before we went, and I was like do you know what I'm going to take the kids by myself and I took the three kids and we went hiking and we had no proper toilet um and it was just a completely different holiday it was something that again when I was a teenager I would have thought that I would have done as an adult and I had not done it in the 20 odd years as an adult so it was really really I loved my sober holiday what about you Simon yeah they can definitely be challenging and there is a video on my YouTube channel that how to survive your first sober holiday so it might be worth looking that up um my first sober holiday was actually a couple of weeks after I quit um I'd already booked it before I sort of made that final decision not to drink again Uh, and it was with my mum and my son and we went to Menorca Mallorca one of those two and I um I I treated it like a kind of sobriety boot camp I thought this is a great opportunity to read sobriety books quickly um to get into my journal to really spend some good quality time as well as enjoying the holiday sort of while I was sat around the pool I was just reading and learning um and it absolutely helped me doing that but I think from a more practical perspective you know airports they can be triggering and I think it's about adopting a kind of an eye of curiosity rather than feeling like you're missing out and you know when I walk through an airport at six in the morning and there's people drinking beer it's curiosity like why are you doing yeah. that yeah and so as I mentioned I went to Paris uh, I took the train up on Tuesday came back yesterday and I had the day there and not drinking is not difficult when you identify as somebody who is a non-drinker it just alcohol doesn't even I promise people that as much as we talk about sobriety all the time and we it is important to stay connected alcohol takes up like no room in my brain I'm never thinking oh, I'm missing out on drinking as you say through a different eye through a different lens I was looking at people sat in the park um, overlooking the Louvre and they're 
drinking their bottle of rosé at 10 in the morning. And I'm like, oh my God, I would have been in bed for the rest of the afternoon. I wouldn't have been able to enjoy Paris. And it was 40 degrees there yesterday. Um, it just, it's easy. I'm around people who drink. And actually, once your mindset has shifted and you truly are a non-drinker, I find it really easy to be around people that drink. In the yeah, beginning, totally. it, it can be a trigger. But um, once you, you've made that shift, it's easy. It's funny you mentioned trains as well, because I remember a couple of clients I worked with had a real thing, you know, a bit like Marty with the holiday about going on trains and, and wanting to drink when they were on a train. And it, which makes me think about we were talking about attachments, you know, how much of my self-worth is attached to this. I think another question to ask yourself is what have I attached to alcohol? Like for me, I never used to drink on trains. It does. It wouldn't trigger me to drink but for some people it would and I think you know in in respect of Marty and his holiday and anyone else looking at the bigger picture of not drinking what have you attached alcohol to and I think if you can get to that you can start then really looking at the things that can be trigger points and doing some work around it yeah 100% what did you attach alcohol to everything <laughs> everything God <laughs> celebrating stress being a parent um practically it was down the lake at hope though no, i was talking to a client about this um the other day it was that tipping point again i don't know when it happened that alcohol first of all was attached to a social thing uh seeing friends being out when i was like 13 14 it was yeah definitely that party scene and then it was in the pub um and then all of a sudden it was just every night at home it wasn't a social thing anymore and it was easy to say i was a social drinker but there was nothing social about my drinking in the yeah. end I don't know when that happened. Yeah, that's exactly my my sort of path as well. Although when I was about 15, I would pinch my dad's wine and take it to my bedroom and drink it on my own. So yeah. I think there was something going on around. I remember my parents used to put cider, bottle of cider in the freezer and it would have those like flakes, almost like a slushy. And I remember being about 12 or 13 and glugging that in the kitchen on my own in secret. So, yeah, there was always maybe a little issue there. As much, and again, yeah. I never identified as an alcoholic. It's, um, it just, it did, it had some kind of, it was like a magnet to me, really, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think it's an easy escape and easy, well, we know all of this stuff. We've yeah, talked about we it do. before, we haven't do. we? Yeah. Um, James said, I, I found that sobriety enhanced my self-discovery. Yeah, one hundred percent. Self discovery, self worth, it completely it boosts all of it. What's that phrase? Discovery, not recovery, is it? Or yeah, absolutely. I always think the first part is um, like recovery, isn't it? And then it steps in just into discovery. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There is that initial period, I think, where it's just you know you're digging your heels in, you're just allowing yeah. yourself to get where you want to be I think be discovered. kind and then it is like okay now we can start to put ourselves back together or put ourselves it's not even back together sometimes is it it's just start to build ourselves anew yeah totally that and Ian Ian said he's on day nine Yay. with a little fist pump as well <laughs> fist pump to you Ian good for well you done. Ian that's awesome keep listening to the podcast and come along to the meetup in September you know I think that's a really good way if you've got something in the diary and yeah. you know you're going to meet myself Ellen and other people from the community face to face that will really help it will be a motivator yeah 100% so yeah just pop over an email through the website or reach out on one of the social media channels that we never go on <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. We'll, we'll 
uh, wrap up there. We'll be back again next week, won't we? For yeah, another live we will. Yeah. And uh, we will see you all very soon. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Okay.